we get going? Yeah, it's probably. Does yeah, the music start? Is the. Well, see, now you just ruined our intro banter. Transition into the show. We'll cut him out. That Tucker. Yeah. Just, just don't. Just don't get it. He has decided to no longer sponsor us, however. I mean, it wasn't him sponsoring us. It was, you know, the company he worked for, Welcome to the Bumble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was their local rep, and uh, we <clears> heard from him <throat> relatively quickly that, uh, that that he no longer wanted to be associated with that sponsorship. So, um, yeah. All right. Well, whatever. I suppose the music is playing us in at this point, so maybe we should get started. I'm Ben. I'm Justin the myth-busting motherfucker plant. Okay. And we are the co-founders of Storyboard Media and your sage and wise guides on your journey to enlightenment and video success and excellence and video excellence. Video excellence. Yes. That is what was written. Um, <laughs> have an interesting discussion today busting some myths surrounding video for from my middle name. No, now it makes sense. Yeah. It would be although I want you for the next week to go around introducing <laughs> yourself as Justin the Mythbusting motherfucker. Hello. <laughs> Hello, this is Justin the Mythbusting motherfucker plant. How can I help you? Um, none <laughs> now. Would you like to play fisties? Quick. <laughs> fisties. One, two, three. Shoot. What'd you get? <laughs> you go first. <laughs> I don't, what? Did you know that that most people cycle through in rock paper scissors? from rock to paper to scissors. So like when you're going like best out of three, if you can pay enough attention to what somebody else just threw Mm -hmm. and think next in that cycle, they're more likely to throw the next thing, rock to paper, paper to scissors, scissors to rock, Mm -hmm. because it's almost involuntary. Mm. So if you can have the presence of mind to think about what they just threw, throw the thing that would beat Mm -hmm. whatever is next in that line, you're more likely to win fisties. Yeah, but you only have three seconds to think through. I all know, that. right? That's a lot to that's a lot to process. So we're actually filming the podcast today for the first time, trying out some new equipment. Yeah, um, um, we're gonna move to a video podcast in a couple weeks. Yeah, so we're just tra- you know yep. trying out some new stuff, moving offices, getting a little studio. Mm-hmm. It'll be fun. Okay, so uh, before we jump into busting these video myths, mm-hmm. uh, as I mentioned. Tucker no longer wanted to be affiliated with our sponsorship right. from Welcome to the Bumble. So we've got a new sponsor this week, surprisingly. New sponsor, yep. Very happy to have them. It's Off Color Lighting. Off Color Lighting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Look forward to hearing their spot later in the episode. Um, before we get into our five or six, five and a half myths that we have here, I guess it's worth addressing why we think it's important to add our voices to busting these myths. Mm-hmm. I suppose you're right. Yes. Um, If I were to put that in the form of a question, I would say, (laughs) why do we feel it's important to... Well, because we have an opinion on everything. Well, that that is definitely true. Pertains to video. Um, But it's been a couple years now that businesses have been adopting video, and some have not been adopting it for certain reasons. And we want to encourage the adoption of video becoming, you know, more of a, uh, just a part of the culture of a business and um, trying to help people get past hurdles that might be more psychological than actual. Or, or just based on misinformation or bad sure. information too. We've talked about some of these before in various episodes just because they come up in the course of conversation. 
But we've also talked about how for people new to video, sometimes they just get kind of overwhelmed and, and it seems too complicated. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes people just look for reasons not to do it. Mm -hmm. And these are some of the things that, you know, we hear an awful yeah. lot. Change is hard. So allowing these things to become an excuse is where most of the friction actually is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, shall we jump in? Sure. Why don't right. you uh, give us the first one here? So Ben and I, just I guess to lay the foundation, Ben and I both wrote our list of various myths, and most of them overlapped. There are a couple that didn't. So I think we'll be agreeing on all of these, but we may just have different thoughts on it. At least one of them, I think, actually goes two different ways. So we may right. argue, we may agree on one argument and then flip the argument to the other end, but we also both agree on that. So I don't know. I don't like it when we just automatically agree. So maybe we'll try to it's find a way to be... Maybe we can at least be in violent agreement sure. somewhere along the way. <laughs> That's always fun. Okay, so myth number one that we want to bust, and, and I think it's also one that that earlier on in our careers we kind of adopted, Yeah, um, is that shorter is always better. Mm -hmm. As a six foot five person, I certainly do not like this myth. Well, and as a five foot nine person. And a half. Uh, I don't have the not hair anymore. anymore. <laughs> When I had hair, sure, five foot nine and a half. In fact, when I went to the doctor last time, the nurse was weighing me in and measuring me in, and she actually said, I'll give you five nine. Ooh. Mm. That stung. Yeah. So if you go to my doctor, solid five nine. So much of my identity is wrapped up in being just a little bit better than Tucker. And I I was six five at one point. I think I'm six four and three quarters, but I don't want Tucker to feel like he's catching up or anything. Right. So I'm just sticking to it. Okay. How tall is Tucker? Just under that. Whatever I am, just under that. Just just uh, just beneath you. Yeah. <laughs> Constantly just looking beneath down you. on him. Okay. So, so shorter is better. So shorter is better. Um, I I suppose this is a myth robusting. So why is it? A, why is it? A, a, or why is it a conception? Well, I think it's a conception because of the attention and intention of viewers online. Mm -hmm. Because most of what we're talking about here is a video that's viewed online. Mm -hmm. um, and everybody seems to just kind of go to, everybody's got so many channels, so many platforms, so many things in their feed that they're just going to flip through. You can't get anybody's attention for more than 30, 60, 90 seconds, whatever it is. Yeah, and people cite, like businesses cite that, well, the attention span of a of a human being is less than a goldfish. So I think that's just total bullshit. Look at all this new long form content that is killing it, like Game of Thrones, right? Well, I saw I saw an like interesting podcasts. yeah I saw an interesting headline recently that like movies have gotten too long. And if you look at eight or ten episode limited series, mm -hmm. HBO, Netflix, wherever, mm -hmm. they're essentially eight or ten hour long movies, right? Right. That, you're, that they've just broken up into pieces. The thing is, you just have to be interesting. Yeah. Now, I don't know that we're advocating necessarily doing, you know, eight or ten hours of <laughs> content here for, for a video content yeah, for your business. Tag. But I think that, that people who cite this still think of video as something that they're probably doing once also. So that kind of unleashes all of this cascade of, of problems with that. Because if you're going to make one video, that means you're going to speak to all of your audience. And this one and has you're going to be to perfect. Ask them to everything and it has to be perfect and it has to look good and it has to be expensive and it has to, I mean, 
you know, for new listeners, that is not the way that you should approach video for your business. For old, you know, old listeners, uh, long-time listeners, you know that that's what we rail against anyway. I mean, it's it's essentially the foundation of our manifesto. The Video Reformation mm-hmm. Manifesto is practicing. Is is that it's about practicing and it's about being specific. Sure. It's about having a specific purpose. It's about you know giving specific actions. It's all about specificity and creating multiple pieces of content to speak to different audiences. Multiple pieces mm-hmm. pieces of content to get people to do different things. So when you think about the all of the video you're going to practice, some of it, sure, toward the top of the funnel. If it's going to be a, a brand awareness piece that's going to be a pre-roll ad, <clears throat> yes, shorter needs to be typically better for pre-roll. Mm-hmm. If you do some great brand awareness, shorter pre-roll stuff, you can start to do some longer pre-roll stuff. Mm-hmm. Purple, the mattress company, um, so does th- some really that, interesting long-form pre-roll stuff. They do, like, but they like also spend minutes long. They also spent about a year developing their brand and mm-hmm. putting their brand out there and and setting themselves up as a a company that has fun with its content. So once you see that it's a 10-minute pre-roll piece, you know that it's probably worth sticking around for the mm-hmm. 10 minutes. It's worth noting that our manifesto has says nothing about length of video. Right. Cuz it is it's 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 not that it's irrelevant, but it's it's all based on any number of other things. One of my one of my new LinkedIn friends, his name is uh, Matthew Sweezy. He works for Salesforce down in Charleston. He's also got an awesome podcast about marketing, but he's he's doing some a lot of speaking. And one of the things that he's talking about is in 2020, content is going to be very ephemeral, meaning it, it it'll be Good word. there and gone in a second mm-hmm. and so you've got to be doing a, a, a good amount of video so trying to focus put all your chips in one pile is is pointless i that reminds me internet summit i want to say two years ago i probably still have the photo of the slide somewhere but some one of the presentations actually had kind of the average lifespan of a post on each of the main social platforms mm-hmm. and within 72 hours not a chance. Something that you've posted is not going to be seen by someone yeah. now, unless it is something that has some kind of viral, you know, yeah. thing to it that starts getting shares and all those kinds mm-hmm. of things that will affect the algorithm yep. and, and people will see it from somebody sharing it. But like the average lifespan, the longest lifespan on social channels is like 72 hours. And that's being nice, mm-hmm. really. I mean, think about, you know, our Instagram live here. This will be this will be available for 24 hours. Right. And then people will have to listen to the podcast edited or I guess now watch the podcast edited when it's released. Mm-hmm. And that, well, and that's another way to multipurpose content is to get more you know, out of like one. We're thing. live streaming it. And so there's kind of an exposure point there. Right. But then we're also going to release it on its regular release schedule on as a podcast, as a podcast so that an entirely different audience who may not follow us on Instagram or may not have an hour to watch us in the yeah. middle of the day on a Thursday. We're also going to be releasing, releasing it in video format on YouTube. Yeah. And we're going to take sections of that and use that on LinkedIn to drive traffic to our podcast. Yep. Um, so, and this is not short. So if anything, this is, no, <laughs> this is the type of content. I think it's, it's worth talking uh, about content throughout the funnel also. Because when you think about practicing effective video for business, you, you've got 
your top of funnel, your mid funnel, your bottom of funnel, your purpose and your audience changes as you go down that funnel or through that flywheel or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Right? So go ahead. What do you mean your audience changes? I think I know what you mean. So top of funnel is a very broad audience, right? It's your prospects. It's people who may not even know that you're a brand. It's people that you don't even know and you're trying to get them to identify themselves as, ooh, I'm interested in what you, mm-hmm. what it is you do, why mm-hmm. you do, whatever, right? Then as you get further down in that process, in that funnel, you're actually, with the content you're creating, typically targeting fewer and fewer people mm-hmm. because your mid-funnel may be people who have said, hey, I'm interested in what you do. And so by default, that's a smaller-sized group, a smaller-sized audience than the people who are completely unaware of you and might come across something at the top of the funnel. And then once you get down into the bottom of the funnel, you're talking about people who have been passed off to sales. They've been through a demo. They've been through whatever. And so there's almost then just, of course, it's a smaller subset still, Mm -hmm. but you're almost sending a video to one person for one reason. Even Mm -hmm. if it's a mass-produced video because you know you have a lot of those people, Mm -hmm. it's still something that a salesperson is sending, saying, hey, I want you to watch this because we talked about that. Yep. And so... Then, of course, when you get into a Go video or a personalized video that they may be doing to start off that video or to introduce that video, that's then something that is created once for one person, Mm -hmm. you know, one specific person. So the size of your audience gets smaller as you get closer to the sale and then through the sale. I was thinking about it even a different way, um, but still true. As you move down the funnel, especially in the B2B world, more and more people are being introduced to that particular sale. So you may have your marketing manager mm. starting at the, t- you know, mm-hmm. looking for solutions and then A whittling that down. building sale kind of and thing. And so when mm-hmm. you get to the bottom of the funnel, it may be one client, but that one client may have 10 people in the decision. That's interesting. So yeah. you, you're, you're changing some of your messaging a little bit when you get down to the bottom of the funnel mm-hmm. to appeal to senior executives or whatever it is. Yeah. And so the way that that, you know, kind of helps bust shorter is always better is that you're having different conversations. You're having more specific conversations. Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to see an hour long demo mm-hmm. or see a playlist of six videos that are of five different modules mm-hmm. because on your sales call, you as a salesperson identified that these are the things that are going to have the biggest impact for them. Mm-hmm. Fine. Yeah. They're, they're going, you're going to make that stuff more specific, that there's going to be that kind of tire kicking mentality or that mm-hmm. like, why, do, why should I go with this over something else? Or how is this actually going to work once I'm using it? You don't need to put that in the top of the funnel. You don't need to go into that detail. I think detail is a lot too, right? You're talking about like top level bullet points when you're at the top of the funnel. Mm-hmm. Then you're kind of getting into your like A, B, C secondary bullet points yep. in the middle. And then you're going back to your like small one, small two, small three, like third level bullet points once you're getting into that kind of bottom of the funnel content. And so you're just, your messaging is more specific. It takes more time mm-hmm. to communicate that. So, And think about this, if, if your prospect is looking at two or three other solutions, think of it as like dating if you spend more time with that person, they're more likely to end up liking you more. Yeah. And so don't just give them five seconds to consume. And it's not saying just make it bloated for the sake of bloating it and absorbing their time. But <clears throat> if you can keep them interested for much longer, you're going to have a much better chance. Can we tie a bow on this? Can, can we yeah, succinctly no. <laughs> sum up why shorter is always better is just not true. It, there, I think it's 
kind of goes back to what I was, was trying to say in the middle of this point or this conversation was nowhere in the manifesto does it sit, talk about time regulations in practicing effective video. It doesn't, there, there are no, there's no right or wrong necessarily. Yep. There's better, there's more interesting and less interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what choice are you going to make? What's the right, what's the more interesting choice uh, for this, for your situation? And uh, <clears throat> to be practicing, so don't put all your chips into one video either. Right. Yeah. Okay. Myth number two. Myth number two. Video is expensive. Video is too expensive. Yeah. There are a couple of things that uh, you also may have heard. I remember when we started really getting into this about six, seven years ago. Um, Happy anniversary, by the way. Oh, that's right. Happy anniversary. Today is the sixth anniversary of the official start of Storyboard Media. And the first year anniversary of the manifesto. Yes. The manifesto is a year old. Uh, David should do something. David should that. do something. David, do something about that. He's gone. I know, but he wouldn't respond anyway. He's with his plumber in his shower. This is true. It's all he told us before he left. Yep. It's either that or a job interview somewhere. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so um, I think I interrupted you. You were going to make a point about six or seven years ago. Yeah, six or seven years ago, we were trying to figure out how to price video. and We're still trying to figure out how yeah, to price video. But people who were in the um, in the video world for a while were, were quoting around $1,000 per minute of edited video. I actually got that from somebody last year. Are you serious? I was talking to someone uh, from my parents' church who I I was willing to just give some free advice to Mm -hmm. because I knew we weren't going to make the video, right? And so, you know, really, really smart guy, very good at what he does, but hasn't done video since probably it was something that was done by, well, since pre-DSLR revolution, basically. And, you know, we're 30 minutes into this conversation about what he should look for and who he should hire and all that. And and then he says, now, am I right that, that this thing should cost about $1,000 per edited minute? And I was like, I, no, no. Um, I mean, it may end up that way, depending on who you hire. Yeah. Um, but And I think that's another point, too, is just because you may get a cheap price from someone, it doesn't mean that that's what video should cost, too. Right. Because, and, and we've done it um, as individuals. We've done it early in this company. Um, sometimes you just charge less because you need to do the job. You need to practice. You need to get better at it. You or need something to, you really want to do and are willing to offer discounts. Yeah. yeah. And and so, uh, you know, and you see a lot of the freelance community, you know, pretty adamant about not lowballing your offer because that hurts everyone Fuck else. That, everybody does it. Everybody does it. And everybody's <laughs> got to pay rent and everybody's yeah. got to eat and everybody's, you know, got to yeah. do all those things. So take whatever you can get to get better at your craft, to pay your rents, whatever the reasoning is. But just because as a client, you pay a certain amount to someone doesn't mean that that's what it should cost either. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is more a caveat to video is too expensive. I think maybe it needs to be under the like video can be expensive. And there are reasons when it it certainly should sure. be expensive and that's fine. But if you are getting a, a low amount, we've got two clients who immediately or who the year prior to hiring us hired less than producers to create videos for the events that they were hosting. Mm-hmm. And in both scenarios, we got brought in and part of our initial strategic process was reviewing the footage that had been captured from prior events. Mm-hmm. 
And in both instances, the footage was completely unusable. Right. It's because they took the low or we offer. wouldn't use it. Or we wouldn't use it. I and wouldn't. I mean, certainly I wouldn't put our name on it, cases. but I wouldn't put my client's name on it. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that you then get somebody to come in for a low amount and you get them to be there at that, you know, event, whatever it is, they capture something and then you look at it and you're like, I, I can't do anything mm -hmm. with this. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know. $1,000 per edited minute of event video is very expensive. Yes. Well. Depending on what's delivered. Yeah, but that, I mean, that's what I mean by edited minute is like, what's the final deliverable? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, if you're, if it's, if sessions, it's a dozen sessions yeah. and, or, and you know, and, and three and keynotes and, and stuff like that, I mean, yeah, that could be, that could be very expensive. I think the point we're trying to make about a thousand dollars per running minute is just remove that from your mind. Mm -hmm. And anytime anybody mentions it, just be like, no, that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. And when they say why, you don't even have to tell them why. It's like, that is just an old, pre-internet version of what production companies would charge for corporate videos when a company would do one mm -hmm. a year or something like that. And so it's it's hugely outdated. Well, yeah, the, the fact, like even the word there, video costs $1,000 per running minute, that may or may not be the cost, but forget cost. What is it, what is the value of this video to your company? Right. And, and how, how much are you willing to invest in? in well, and, and, and before we go there also, I think it's important to just, you know, the reality check that I usually offer to $1,000 per minute is, do you think a 30-second commercial costs $500 to yeah. produce? Yeah. Because a 30-second commercial can be, especially if it's a national ad, can be the most money you put out for any video, to produce any video mm -hmm. content. And then add the ad buy into it. Mm -hmm. So, but even if you just want to look at production costs, you should be spending more than a thousand dollars per minute on any kind of TV advertising. And then that's something that everybody <clears throat> can recognize. They, they, there's a part of their brain that's like, I think this should cost a thousand dollars per minute. I want a two to three minute video, so this should cost two to three thousand dollars. Right. And then when you just ask them how much they think a 30 second commercial costs, their answer will not be $500. Yeah. And so it's the easiest real world thing to just break people out of that cycle mm -hmm. of thinking $1,000 per running mm -hmm. minute. Um, but you're absolutely right. Video as an expense is contrary to the manifesto. The manifesto says to see video as an investment. Mm -hmm. And an investment requires a return. So seeks a return. Seeks a return. Yes. When you're making an investment, you 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 want to kind of track what kind of potential return mm -hmm. and then actual return you might make something, which to me leads into our third myth, mm -hmm. which yeah, is that, tied together, which very... is that video ROI can't really be tracked. Right. And that is completely false. I think this comes from probably the I think we could develop and maybe there's a blog post or a podcast article in here. I think we could develop almost a like timeline of video for business mm -hmm. because one of those one of the pivot points is kind of the post YouTube DSLR revolution, mm -hmm. you That's know, democratization jumped. of, of mm -hmm. video, right? <clears throat> and so I think there was this time where all of a sudden YouTube was a thing, mm -hmm. and people were watching videos on YouTube all of a sudden without having to be watching on their TV, mm -hmm. and right before businesses really started to adopt creating video content. But I think I think this is where 
because of the analytics that YouTube gave you mm -hmm. and gives you, mm -hmm. and even some of the other, I mean, early days of Vimeo, for example, as a secondary hosting platform, the analytics they gave you didn't give you the opportunity to track anything that would necessarily be kind of what we call a value metric. Right. Right. It's it, showing how many plays it gets, how many views it gets, or or what percentage of people who end up on this landing page end up playing this video. And the only way that YouTube allows you to monetize that content is by views, essentially. And so if you get millions of views, you can monetize that yeah. as the creator. And sure, they're they're becomes your return on investment. But that was the only way to to actually track a return on investment mm -hmm. is if it was a viral video. Yeah. Yeah. Starting to melt together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I don't think we I, I don't think viral. <clears throat> oh, yeah, I guess viral viral is 3.5. Um, we'll get to viral. So I think there are a lot of people who probably tried video early on, mm -hmm. even early adopters for video. And because they were willing to take that risk, and put money into it, put energy into it, put resources into it, then they just didn't know how to say whether they got any return on it. The that. technology did not exist. And that's to, and to, that's when people started seeing video as an expense because sure. there was no way to really track a return on it, which means there was no way to think of it as an investment. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, I think that stuck. That got laid as a foundation for video for business. Yes. Yeah, um, and now the industry, um, the technology has evolved where pretty much anything you want to track on video is trackable. Yep. Down to individual viewer behaviors. Yep. How many videos one per? How many of what videos one person has watched? Mm -hmm. um, when you, you can even, I mean, Vidyard's got their their Salesforce connection. Yeah, which is phenomenal for reporting. Which you can actually see which deals closed that had video viewed by any of the contacts and Salesforce associated with that deal. Yep. And so it will actually calculate what kind of revenue is generated that video played a part in mm -hmm. helping close, mm -hmm. either generating them as an MQL or turning them from an MQL into an SQL, or of course, you know, through the sales process then. And that's one dashboard report that you can look at to say, per deal or per video, how much revenue is this contributing to for us? Yep. That is the easiest way to say, look, from you know fiscal year 2019, we spent $600,000 on video content. Mm -hmm. And my Salesforce report is showing me that in fiscal year 2019, we were able to generate $13 million of revenue that was influenced by that $600,000 mm -hmm. of. So that's definitely showing. Now, again, it's not necessarily, uh, not again, just again from a previous episode. It's not necessarily saying that video is solely responsible right. for that. Right. But video is a part of the equation. And if you want to add some kind of, you know, marketing mm -hmm. is responsible for, you know, 40% of this deal and sales is responsible for 60, great. Let's, the marketing department can claim 40% of that revenue. And so, you know, however, yeah. however each company wants to do that, but yeah. you actually are able to put real numbers right. to the money that you're actually investing in creating this content. I was, I was in the office of another video agency just yesterday morning and they were <gasps> griping. How dare you? <laughs> I, I mean, I was at a plumber. Yes, in the shower with a plumber. Uh, uh, and they were complaining about how it's impossible. Like they just stay away from all of that entirely 
because there is no way to track it. And these right. are smart, they're just gonna create, talented create quality people. content. They're going to do what their clients ask. Yep. They're going to make it as well as they can. Yep. And they do very good work. Very good work. And then they're going to hand it off and say, that's your because thing. Because in their heads, that attribution does not exist. Right. And, and, and I was just surprised that, um, I guess, other agencies aren't as well-versed or even have dug into that enough. Yeah. But it does exist. I think that's the point to take away from this is you can definitely track ROI. Yes. Okay. Before we jump, I think it's time for our sponsor. Ed. Okay. Before we jump into that, I just want to do a quick recap. So the first myth that we busted was that shorter is always better. Mm-hmm. We talked about how your purpose and your intent and your audience changes as you kind of go through that that customer cycle. Mm-hmm. We talked about video being expensive or too expensive. It certainly can be expensive, but it doesn't have to be. This whole, we hopefully debunk this whole video worth $1,000 a minute or cost $1,000 a minute. We've completely debunked, um, certainly with the 30 second commercial example, cost more than $500 to make a commercial. And then of course that led into thinking about video as an investment as opposed to an expense. And then kind of busting that myth of not being able to track the ROI of video. So given that that's what we've talked about before, I think now is a good time for our sponsor ad from what was it? Off Color Lighting Off Color Lighting, that's right. All right, Off Color Lighting. Let's let's, uh, see what they got. At Off Color Lighting, we have it all. From lighting fixtures to dirty pictures, bulbs, bosoms, and bums. Need to get it on in the kitchen? We sell all kinds of switches, but we'll also scratch your itches with flicks of down and dirty bitches. Or maybe you would rather just rub one out. We sell touch lamps for every occasion. <laughs> hey, Ben, how many porn stars does it take to screw in a light bulb? I don't know. How many? Only two, but they'd have to be pretty tiny. <laughs> Come on over to offcolorlighting.com. We'll turn you on. That's pretty good. Is that one we wrote or is that, one, is that copy that was provided to us? Uh, that was provided to us. Oh yeah, no, that's good. They've got some brilliant copywriters. Yeah, over there. That's uh, that's and good. a great business model. Yeah. So, sex lights. Is that what I'm getting from that? I haven't been there, uh, to be honest. Okay. Um, they sent. There's a big package, um, over, <laughs> over, over there. there. Yeah. Uh, that they've sent. I've been afraid oh, to open. Over it's in the tr- dark I re- corner. I read of the our copy office. first. Yeah. It's actually uh, in the background of your shot over here. So it's on the floor. That's why you can't see it in that mm-hmm. shot. Um, but something but like it is buzzing in there for and a while. It's, it's very discreet packaging, too. Very discreet. <laughs> Which is important. I, yes. I think, I think you know, when it comes to anything risque like that, people are. Yeah. So what, what, are, what are we thinking here? Do we, is, it the, is it the spectrum of light that it uses kind of works like pheromones or are they yeah i'm not sure if it's just is like, it like a leg lamp from the christmas story so, where it's just kind of sexy or yeah i imagine this store again uh, it, uh they have an online presence but i think there's a there's an actual um brick and mortar store brick and mortar okay. yeah um and I, I see it in one half is a bunch of lighting stuff on the other half is a bunch of sex toys and okay. pornography and then somehow in the middle it kind of blends together where you might see that leg lamp from mm-hmm. from the christmas uh story, story. yeah um, <clears throat> you know, light up toys. So it's kind of a uh, one-stop shop for all of your lighting and marital aid needs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's only for married people. <laughs> right. No, that's what they used to be called. And yeah. now, now sex toys are at CES. So. Wow. Do you, do you think, do you think off-color lighting had a booth at CES? 
It sounds like the kind of place they would. Oh, go. you said C. I thought you said CVS. <laughs> <laughs> As seen on TV, <laughs> on one of those scrambled channels. <laughs> okay. Um, well, welcome to our new sponsor, Off Color Lighting. Yeah, check them out. Let me know what you guys think. Is um, there a promo code we can we can offer or anything? I can look for one here. Yes, lights on or off. Uh, if you use that, you'll get a 69% discount. That is a huge discount. That's a big discount. Wow. That's uh, that's a loss leader. There's probably some bait and switch going on there, but that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. So so upper right-hand corner, click on the microphone. Put they are, in they lights are master on or bait off. and switchers. They are master bait and switchers. Um, click on the mic in the upper corner, put in lights on or off, and you get a 69% discount on your first purchase. Yeah. That's just fantastic. Well, back to the show. Um, myth 3.5. Right. We got there a little bit, so I'll just read it off here. Um, <laughs> view counts are all that count, or it, AKA... It says here view counts are all that count. Yeah, there's a red squiggly, so I just kind of... You think that's supposed I to be a different word? <laughs> view uh, counts are all that count. That makes more sense. This copywriter's no good. No. Uh, AKA, if it doesn't go viral, it didn't work. I think this attaches to the last couple. It could have been like two A, B, and C here because mm. <clears throat> they played together so so yeah. much. Tell me about virality. What makes a video go viral? Exactly. <laughs> Good answer. Um, I think this is this is where I don't want to underestimate our audience because, I, but I think. People know that you can't make a viral video. Yeah, I think a lot of people are past that. Yeah. And I think even when they say, we want a viral video. What they mean is. We want a wildly popular shareable video. Yes. So something it may include humor gonna, yeah. or, or some Yeah, viral is, viral is something that happens to a video mm -hmm. that's been released. It's not something you do to it's a video. It's not a format of video or style yeah. of, of video yeah. making. So, <clears throat> yeah, we started talking about monetizing view counts on YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, I think... Which was the, really the only way to monetize a video. Right. Uh, now you've got all kinds of advertising. And Vimeo had uh, like a tip jar, which yep, was the other was way for artists to, yep. to monetize a video. Yeah. Um, so I think this goes back to also the the metrics that you can track now too. Mm -hmm. When we were talking about uh, you know calculating ROI, is that number of views tells me nothing about how much of an impact this video has had on our prospects or customers. Right. If I can identify which of them are clicking through to a form and putting in their email address or clicking on the custom call to action and going to the landing page I want them to go to or blah, 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 right? Taking that specific action that we want them to take. I can do an awful lot more with that information than I can do about, you know, seeing 100,000 views mm -hmm. on a video. Mm -hmm. 100,000 views to you me is potentially less valuable than 60 views right. if you're creating a video for you know, if you're doing ABM, if you're doing any kind of account-based marketing, and you know that you've got, as a rep, maybe you've got 60 possible clients on your ABM list. Yeah. If you get 60 views because you've targeted it to your that list is of 60 people, successful. that is a 100% success rate. 
And that's more valuable to you than 100,000 views of the wrong kind of people. But what, what even would be more important is conversion. What did you want them to do next and did they do it? Yeah. So even 60 views doesn't matter. Right. It's, did they take action? Right. And all of those things, again, can be measured in video, uh, you know, conversions, because you can, you can put forms in video players. You can put calls yep. to action in video players. You can connect your video platform with HubSpot or mm -hmm. whatever your CRM is. So even if you don't put it in the video, if you put it on the landing page, mm -hmm. you can know who filled out that form mm -hmm. that isn't even mm -hmm. within the video player. Okay, and uh, number four is an interesting one because I think there's two sides to this one. Mm -hmm. We'll start with like, well, we can use Ned in HR. We don't need to hire an actor. Yeah, let's let's start like, like start yeah, there. And let, we'll let's let's use our non-actor employees. Yep. For this content. So just don't. I mean, well, until it's usually it's usually companies who are inexperienced with video see no problem in saving some money. We're not going to hire an actor. We've got 42 employees here. We can make this happen. Someone's got to be smart enough to learn this script or whatever it is. Right. Well, no. Your salespeople need to be selling. You're in growth mode, so you're probably understaffed at the moment. <laughs> Certainly not anybody in HR. But, you know, so-and-so so in marketing was a theater major. <laughs> right. Good point. Or, you know, like sings in a church, uh, church choir. So, so what do we usually do... When this happens, go to our casting agent and and get some send them options anyway. Yeah, we'll put Jerry from HR in an audition in an audition with all the other actors. Yes, and then ask the client which one yes makes sense. And do you want to waste the other ten grand you've put into this video by putting Jerry in here and saving a grand, or well, do you want to spend another grand and make use of the ten? Exactly, grand? I think it comes from an imperfect understanding of what costs go into producing a video too. Sure. I, I think this comes from, again, just overall, I think that misconception comes from Hollywood, right? Adam Sandler gets oh. $20 million sure. to be in a movie. And so they think all actors are, you know, worth a million dollars for yeah. a 90-minute movie or right. whatever. And we're really talking about in in a lot of scenarios. We're talking about five hundred, a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah, we're not hiring someone to get who gets paid twenty million dollars a you know a feature film. Mm -hmm. This um, is somebody from Fayetteville, North Carolina, <laughs> right? Who has it? But the reason it's important is because they have experience being on set. They have experience being directed. Mm -hmm. They know that when. When they're asked to come up and hit their mark so that the lights can be set and the camera can be, you know, set focus, focus and, and all those kinds of things, they know that they're supposed to stand there and not move mm -hmm. and not say anything until they're And still asked. act natural. Yes. And you put in Ned from HR mm -hmm. and all of a sudden he's asked to step to his mark and then he steps to his mark and then he's, you know, yep. can you look into the lens, please, so you can get focus on the eyes or whatever. And then he thinks... That he can, you know, just start looking around and talking to whatever, mm -hmm. even if he stands there. You know, then he'll just like walk away. Like I'm not done. Like get like professional actors know how to be on set, mm -hmm. how to deal with those things that non-actors don't. So even before you get to the performance, 
Then, once you're actually directing someone, professional actors know how to take direction. Mm -hmm. They're aware of what their delivery was. Oftentimes, they'll stop themselves, or at the end of a take, they'll say, I didn't like that, let's try it again, before the director even does. A non-actor employee is going to think, ooh, I got through without fumbling anything, that was perfect. And then they're asked to... Do exactly the same. Do exactly the same thing, except let's when you say this, change your inflection to up at the end of the third sentence. Mm -hmm. Do what now? Yeah, we've in fact had clients who have like tried to document the onset process so that they could send it back to their office to say this is why we need to hire people because it's take after take after take. I mean, it is it is exhausting Mm -hmm. work, and if you're putting some someone in there who isn't prepared for that. It's going to cost you, at the very least, an additional shoot day, probably, to get that person to get through. In fact, I would double or triple the time I would plan to shoot for something if I'm going to use a non-professional actor. Mm-hmm. Because if if your if your production company or a lot of cost editing costs and production costs. If your production company, you know, is going to come in for a one day shoot and they say, look, if we hire someone that we're used to working with or someone from this talent agent that that we work with, a professional, we can do this in one day. And you say, well, we're going to save some money by using Ned from HR. They can save that money, but I guarantee you the production company is going to have to take two days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that means that you've got to pay them twice as much as you were paying them to shoot. Mm -hmm. And so that money that you thought you were saving, it's just, and and you're just not going to get a performance. Right. And so it's just, it's just not worth it. And, and again, I think it's just an imperfect understanding of the cost. In terms of the whole thing, having a professional actor is so much worth the additional cost over having an employee. And the crew's going to just be happier, too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. to deal with it. <laughs> so what's the flip side of that coin? flip side of that is a lot of people will run if they're asked to be on camera by saying, oh, I don't look good on camera. I don't, I don't whatever. Yeah. So how can we possibly bring these both up at the same time? Where, think, where, where's the, where are the opportunities? I think for the, the differentiator is if, well, there's certainly personalized video. Yeah. Um, which is you in a booth or at your desk. you as a salesperson one-on-one, you yeah. know, recording on a webcam or a DSLR or something like that, and then sending it to like one person or something right. like that. And it, in that scenario, don't, you know, practice makes better so don't let that stop you because the value of being able to communicate with someone in the sales process through video far outweighs yes how uncomfortable you may feel i mean the first time you made your first sales call you were pretty fucking uncomfortable yeah so but you got through it through practice well and we we had a project manager uh michelle we we wanted her to use go video in all of the weekly update emails and so that our clients could just watch her say, here's where we are, mm-hmm. here's what we need, whatever. 100% engagement from every client yes. every week. And she was terrified of being on yes. camera. She was, uh, I mean, it was it was hard to watch the first couple. But she never liked it, but she got a lot better mm-hmm. at it. And she got more comfortable with it. So she still had that like, oh, I hate this, which is like, this is part of my job. And I've done it now. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's, yeah. nothing bad is going to happen. And it totally worked. So, I, I think I think it's I think they work together because when it's something that you're sending out to a larger audience, that's representative of your company, you need to have a professional's touch. 
But when it's something that is to a smaller audience, be it a one-to-one kind of thing or a further down, it's more important to be able to make that one-to-one connection with the prospect or customer that you're speaking with mm-hmm. than it is to because that's one person who has probably already talked to right. you right? and is now the value of putting a face and nonverbal expression to that name so much outweighs the potential downside because it's still something that's just going to go to like, you know, your 15 clients mm-hmm. or whatever. So it's going to be seen by 15 people who already have a relationship with you and right. they're probably going to be okay with it. And so and I think make that's a mistake, where that dividing line is. If you make a mistake, you're a human and this is the sales is a very human pro, human process. <laughs> but um, so just I mean don't be afraid to be yourself, be natural. Yeah. Another way to look at this, I, I see two actually. One, you do look good on camera. <laughs> and two, uh, one being in your business, you more than likely have subject matter experts that cannot be replaced. They need to be able to communicate their authority, their expertise, their trustworthiness, all that stuff through video in the future. Video is going to be a part of your business. Why not get the smartest people in your company to share their expertise mm-hmm. on camera? You can't replace that. Yeah. The other way I like but to... But I think you need to be careful about how you position that content. I would not do like my top of funnel initial explainer video right. featuring my SMEs. This might be at the bottom of a product page or something. Or a pre-awareness kind of thought leadership channel. <clears throat> sure. Right? Yeah, that, but that's kind of casual yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Going back to the ubiquity of video and it being ephemeral, you're going to have to just keep producing content. The marketing department can't hire actors every day for content. Right. You're going to need to get used to it. Every department is going to need to play a role in this. It's not just marketing. or so, you know, At some point, that's my prediction. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to have to get used to being on camera. I think the workforce that's coming, younger millennials and Gen Z, they are going to be very used to video, and that is the way it's going to be. Everything will be video in, at that point. Yeah. So they're comfortable with it. If you would like to either grow your personal brand, uh, if you want to book more speaking engagements, if you want to whatever, start using video and practice it and get used to it because it's going to happen. It's going to be the way business is done in you know the next decade. Yeah. Um, okay. So hire actors when you need actors, but damn it, you're good enough. Dog on it, people like you when you need to do it yourself. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Is, yeah. is how that one sums up. Okay, good. Uh, all right, this last one's here basically for me. Yeah, I'm going to go this bathroom. Is, this is my I've heard it before. Here. <laughs> um, so this is kind of a twofer, and, and really it's just these myths, these, these stats that keep getting misused by anyone in the video world. And they're being used as arguments for why everyone needs to be doing video when they are either invalid because they're based on an idiom or um, it's cherry picking without context what the stat means. So the first one is the famed Forrester report that everyone likes to quote that says that one minute of video is worth 1.8 million words. And it's fine as an anecdote. I have the report. Not because I paid $400 for it, but because we know someone who knows someone who works for Forrester and got me a copy of the report. Uh, 
And first of all, this is from a report from 2008, and it's kind of a throwaway line where it says that, you know, after all, it's talking about Omni video as opposed to TV. Mm-hmm. And so it just says that after all, a minute of video is worth 1.8 million words. See end note two. And then end note two kind of goes just far enough to basically say a second of video contains 30 individual pictures or frames. Therefore, a minute of video contains 30 times 60 equals 1,800 pictures. Multiplied by a thousand word per picture, based on the idiom, a picture is worth a thousand words, um, a minute of video is worth 1.8 million words. No. <laughs> no. Um, that is not a statistic that anybody needs to be citing because it is not, it is something that is presented as like a, a statistical fact, right? Myth busted. Myth busted. A minute of video, you, you, you just can't just, I'm going to stop there because otherwise I'm going to get really <laughs> fired up. So I'm surprised. I think everybody sees Forrester attached to it. Mm-hmm. And so they think legitimate. that this is just a legitimate, just everybody just needs to stop using that because... And because they're trying to make the argument that if you're writing blog posts, you're maybe writing 2,000 words per post, and yet a minute of video, you could put out 1.8 million words. Yeah. To compare to 2,000 words per blog post. Yeah. And that is a complete fallacy in terms of a statistical comparison. And mm-hmm. So just everybody stop using that. And honestly, if um, you'd like to hear more. Listen to any of the other 20 podcasts we've produced. Yes. <laughs> Probably. And so I just like to say shame on Forrester and shame yeah. on James L. McQuivy just... with Michelle DeLucent and Dan Wilkos. You know who you are. <laughs> um, the other one is is also just a misused statistic, unless you had anything to say on, on that one. No, I'm good. Yeah, I, I figured. Um, this seems to be like the new version of that. It's, it's uh, from a Cisco report saying that 82% of internet mm, traffic mm-hmm, is video. Mm-hmm. And people are, again, they're using it to try to convince marketers to use video by saying, look, everybody's watching video. But it completely ignores the context of that report talking about the actual, like, exabytes of data that are transmitted across the Internet. And so if you want to think about the size of a 90-minute 4K video on Netflix, the file size, Mm -hmm. gigabytes for something that yeah. big. Oh, yeah. Compared to your blog post. 60-second, compared to a blog post, yeah. or your 60-second 1080p video, it is virtually a moot comparison. Mm-hmm. And so 82% of the Internet's traffic is not marketing videos. Mm-hmm. It's all of the TV that we watch, all the stuff that we stream, all that stuff that's viewed on YouTube. That all the is, porn. The, all the porn. <laughs> That's that used to be my argument. Like, just take Pornhub out of that and think about that. Probably drops the percentage down to like seventy three percent. Yeah. Right. Take Netflix, Hulu out, and all of a sudden. And so for me, it's not that it's not true. It's just that it is used as a tool for you should be doing video because eighty two percent of what's consumed on the internet is video. That is not true. Eighty percent of the data transmitted through the internet may be video, and that's even a projection to twenty twenty two. Hmm. It's 73% as of 2017 when it was done. But it's it's there are so many valid statistics like 
using video in the subject line of an email can increase read rates by 400%. Mm-hmm. Video on a landing page increases click-throughs by 300%. Those are so much more valuable statistics to convince people who haven't used video mm-hmm. to use video that we can stop using all of these other things that when you really think about it, don't make the argument you want to make. Mm-hmm. So anytime you see that a video, a minute of video is worth 1.8 million words or 82% of the internet you know, uh, is video, Think about what that must mean. Set that aside and just go to the ones that are, you know, again, it's it's almost like value metrics and vanity metrics. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, sure, it's worth one point, a minute of video is worth 1.8 million words and I got 100,000 views on this. Well, I'd rather get 60 views of the right people and, you know, have a 400% increase in my click-through rate. So that's just me on my soapbox. I couldn't do this episode of, of video myths without addressing those. And I will continue to rail on them and <laughs> continue my crusade against those two misused statistics. Um, okay, so quick recap. Myth one, busted. Shorter's always better. Totally busted. Yep. Myth, 2A, B, C. Myth, myth two, video's expensive, too expensive. It can be, but it doesn't have to be expensive. Mm-hmm. Busted. You can't track the R- ROI of video. I mean, it was probably true for maybe six months or a year at one point, but it's certainly not true yeah. now. Completely busted. Uh, view counts are all that count. If it doesn't go viral, it didn't work. Busted. Uh, we don't need actors. Or I don't look good on camera. We actually found ways to bust both of those <laughs> contradicting points because they have specific applications. And one minute of video worth 1.8 million words or 82% of the internet is uh, video. I'd like to hear busted for well yeah. maybe plausible like true fa- like their actual it's statistics twisted. but they're out of context yeah. and there's enough that we don't need to use those anymore so we kind of attack some of the ones that we hear the most yeah i think there are probably a lot of myths out there and some of them may even be true i would love to hear from any of our listeners if there is a myth and if we could try and bust it for them or add some or validity to it yeah. yeah so if you're out there and listening i encourage you to I don't know, email us or tweet. Uh, Just find you know, us. Find us wherever you can, and we'll try and look for you it. You know what I would recommend? Putting it in the review on your favorite podcast uh, channel. On their five-star review? Wherever wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you listen to this podcast, go ahead and, and give us a five-star rating and, and or whatever rating you want to give us. Four and a half. And go five. ahead and, and throw your myth in, in a review. Sure. That could work. Yeah. Yeah, or, you know, text us, whatever. I think we know half of our listeners personally anyway. (laughs) Um, Okay, Uh, let's hear from our sponsor one more time. Yep, Off-Color Lighting. You want me to read the bit? Is that what? Yes. Okay. At Off-Color Lighting, we have it all. From lighting fixtures to... Hold on, that sounded like Adolf Color Lighting. (laughs) Uh, I think that's something different. Yeah, they get mad about that. Um, At Off-Color Lighting, we have it all. From lighting fixtures to dirty pictures, bulbs, bosoms, and bums. Bums. Bums, that is. Bums. Like a like a butt. But bums. Bums. That's cheekier. You can uh, laugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, need to get need to get it on in the kitchen? We sell all kinds of switches, but we'll also scratch your itches with flicks of Don and Dirty Bitches. Or maybe you'd rather just rub one out. We sell touch lamps for every occasion. 
Hey, Ben, how many porn stars does it take to screw in a light bulb? I don't know. How many? Only two, but they'd have to be pretty tiny. <laughs> That's my favorite one. Come on over to <laughs> offcolorlighting.com. We'll turn you on. Is that supposed to be read as, come on over? There's a big space there. Okay. All right. I just wasn't sure what was next, and then I kept going, and then I yeah. I saw that it, it was over, too. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. A little, little racy. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I they've done a lot of research on who our audience is. <laughs> so. Um, okay. Well, join us next time on the Video Reformation Podcast, where we discuss insert next episode topic here. That sounds like fun. I'm yeah, really looking forward to definitely. talking about that. Yeah. And welcoming a new sponsor as well. Pro- well, yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully this one sticks well, six, with us. Stick around for a while, yeah. yeah. We, we'll, we'll see. Um, okay. So, signing off, this has been... This is Justin. Thank you very much for listening. We will talk to you soon. Or at you soon. <clears throat> talk at you. <laughs> yeah. We will talk. You will listen. So, you can talk to us. I don't know that we're going to hear it. Yeah. Oh, hey. Ryan Tim. Hey, buddy. How long has he been here? Not long, because we just reset it because we went over an hour. Oh. We're having lunch with him on Friday, uh, tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Are we still on for lunch tomorrow? This is probably where we realize that it doesn't tell us when somebody leaves. <laughs> so he joined, but yeah, I guess I'll see like, eh. I gotta write it in my camera. Check my inbox. <laughs> <laughs>